freaking racing. It's time to recap it. And who better to do it than Michael New Magic? Two bros slash pros who cover the highs and lows of racing around the globe on every one of their shows. Real fans look forward to these guys in their last thoughts because they know they're not talking out of their royal ascot. What they say makes sense. So ladies and gents, sit back and relax as Blinkers Off presents The Magic Mike Show. Where you hear the experts speak. The Magic Mike Show. Tune into the show every week. The Magic Mike Show. You can trust the show is the bomb because it's being brought to you by RacingDudes.com. What's up, everybody? I'm Magic. And I'm Mike. And this is The Magic Mike Show, episode 375, Mr. Samich. Preakness is Glad to have you back, buddy. I uh, cannot wait for about two more weeks when Aaron finally sends you your microphone cord back so that I can actually fully hear your voice. But listen, I'm just happy to see you again. It'd be nice, man. I mean, he, like, he's like, yeah, I'll send it. And this was right after, right after Kentucky Derby. If he didn't say it, I just go buy the freaking cord. It's like $20. I could just go buy the cord. It wouldn't be that much. So hopefully he actually sends it. I may just go buy one this weekend anyway. Uh, I mean, you could get it on Amazon and be there tomorrow. Like... I didn't even think about that. Yeah, Amazon's probably quicker than Best Buy. Well, Best Buy is actually like two miles away, so it's not that bad. Oh, but. you actually you have a Best Buy still. That's uh, that's rare. We have a Best Buy, and it's the Geek Squad, and like there's like the TV Center, and that's it. Everything else, they have people who just say, okay, you want to find it online? Here, we'll help you buy it. I'm like, what? <laughs> Why do we even pay for the storefront at this point? <laughs> Literally talking themselves out of jobs. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's here. We'll help you find it on our website. And I'm like, okay, great. Or I can just go to Amazon where I know it's going to be cheaper. And uh, where I know the employees now get paid to uh, take bathroom breaks. So that's wonderful. But, hey, we're talking Preakness uh, stakes. Uh, or I should say the Pimlico late pick four that ends in the Preakness stakes. Um, it's all stakes. It's not all graded. But uh, the Pimlico card for me, Mike, is usually one of the – it probably is the most difficult of the Triple Crown cards because with the Belmont and with the Der- with the Derby, it's like everybody's building towards those cards. Whatever division in, you're building towards that day. And then you take like five, six weeks off and you build towards that Belmont. But there's the Pimlico two weeks in between where it's like if you weren't good enough to make the other races on Derby Day, well, now you can show up. Or maybe you just weren't far enough along in your progression. Or maybe you're a Maryland bred. And, you know, there's a lot of Maryland breds in these races. So for me, this card is always difficult. Do you struggle with this card at all? Uh, no, because I, I handicap these cards much more commonly than you do. Uh, this is kind of style of card. So it, it, it makes sense to me. Honestly, when we, Aaron and I had this argument about the Triple Crown, he didn't even bring this up. This would have been one of the better arguments. To say we should space it out so you could have essentially triple crowns in every division across all three tracks and have some type of purse bonuses for that. Because you could have some fun with having three major sprint races, three major mile-and-a-half turf races, then have the three-year-olds run, have the older males run. Figure out ways to kind of build it into almost a triple crown series. And that the two-week turnaround followed by the three-week turnaround makes it impossible to do that for every division. Um, obviously, they do it for the three-year-olds because it's this this day cold deal thing but uh to do it for every division would be quite difficult but that might be a good way but yes it is definitely i like this it's the nit of the big day that's a great way to put it right it's like you know it's it's like the, the it's the non-bowl series division right it's, it's just that one step down from what everybody wants but that being said i mean we're talking 16 horse fields on the turf we're talking turf sprints we're talking dirt or turf routes we're talking good dirt routes and we're also talking good weather that's the other thing that i love i'm excited about it's supposed to be 94 i believe uh, on Saturday, so it's going to be warm, but we're not going to get any rain. Should stay on the turf, no issues there. Should be fast and firm. Definitely looking forward to that. 
Oh, yeah, it's, it's going to be nice not having to worry about any weather. Other than, you know, if you were there, I would say you're going to be worried about overheating. Though if you're there, you actually probably should just be worried about finding toilets that work. Toilets, working plumbing, that seems to be the big struggle uh, those days at Pimlico. Uh, Mike, lots of races to talk about. I'm excited. You want to jump right into it? I, I do. I just want to say the infield is going to be wild. Like, the, the, the level of non-clothed people on that infield when it's 94 degrees is going to be absolutely nuts. I would, this would be one of those where would be like, yeah, maybe I'd go in the infield just to see how crazy it gets on a day that's 94 degrees. After, uh, you know, this is the first normal preakness we've had in three years. So, uh, yeah, you've got that on top of it. The the uh, Porta John Potty races, those will be in full effect, so we'll watch. Oh, yeah. you know, I'm sure during our live show Saturday, we're going to take plenty of breaks to watch that. But uh, let's jump into the Liberty Bowl of Triple Crown Racing Cards, Mike. <laughs> the Pimlico Stakes, or the Pimlico uh, Preakness Late Pick 4 on Saturday. Riders up! Yeah, like Gabe said, drunk 16-year-olds all over that. I mean, 21-year-olds. There's nobody drinking underage at Pimlico. No, no, no. definitely not at Pimlico. No. <laughs> Wrong trumpet. Uh, I don't know <laughs> what the I'm not. I should have what we need, like Megan the Stallion doing it. That's like that. That's who's doing it for the Preakness this year, right? All right, my first leg of the late pick four at Pimlico <laughs> on Saturday, May 21st, race 10 is the James W. Murphy Stakes. This is a one-mile turf route for 11 three-year-olds, including the five ready to perform, who's your five-to-two favorite. One thing that I forgot until just now that it really drives me nuts about the Preakness and just kind of Maryland racing in general, they take entries without jockeys. So if you want to bet the one, good luck figuring out who the hell the jockey is. Mike, uh, where are you going on top? Well, I'm guessing they'll let us know by, sa- or by Saturday, but we'll see. I mean, I, I hope they let us know by Saturday. Look, I'm going to go to a horse that's never touched the turf on top. I kind of like the 10-horse Joe here. Uh, how often do you see, well, I guess he's touched the turf once. He ran the turf his first start. But how often do you see after that a declaration of war horse not go back to the turf um, and then head to the dirt and not only do head to the dirt, but do really well there. Um, so this horse debuted at five and a half furlongs over the turf, comes back, breaks, breaks its maiden next time out going a mile in the dirt, rips off three straight, runs second in a $100,000 stakes, goes back to a $125,000 stakes, gets the win at mile and an eighth. Now we're headed back to the turf. One thing I just love about the 10 horse is the tactical speed. It just seems like Joe is going to be able to get whatever trip he wants to make. Um, it, it's one of those horses where you, you talk about how many Laurel and how many Maryland bred type horses that you end up seeing in these races. Well, these overnight stakes are just filled with these Maryland type horses. And Joe is another one of those where he just kind of makes a ton of sense. Uh, bred by the Eckstone group, which, uh, which Eckstone group, which is a big time Maryland group. Um, and this horse, I think, wants turf more than he wants dirt. And if so, what? Definitely the last race wins this. Maybe the one-two back, even though you have Shake and Loose who beat him in that spot, but that was over dirt. He should improve over this. I think Joe at three to one is a pretty good price here. Did you use the ten? Yeah, I went three deep here, and this was my second choice. Yeah, all great points. Um, uh, the older half sister was great to be placed in a two-time winner in turf route, so it's not just that you could say, "Hey, breeding," because he's by declaration of war. The damn side's got it as well, and um, the jockey trainer combination here for Joe, which I just realized he's not on screen. Sorry, he's the ten horse. He's all the way down there. Um, which not worried about that. He likes to sit mid pack, so uh, not worried about the ten post. But Carrasco and Trombetta at Pimlico specifically, they're two for two together in, tur- in stakes. Both of those were turf routes last year, and they're 32% overall since last year's meet. And both of those with really high, high ROIs. 
Uh, their turf winners were 10 to 1 and 5 to 1 uh, last year in those stakes races. So uh, a great combination, um, definitely one you got to look out for. Uh, I, yeah, I, I agree with the, the, the jockey trainer combo is a, a big plus there too. My, my other must use was Riot House, the seven horse. If we're talking jockey trainer combinations, let's talk Ganny Garden and Luis Saez. Yep. Uh, I'm guessing you had this horse on top based on that reaction. Yep. All right, you can go into it for Riot House then. Oh, no, I, I didn't mean to. I'll, I'll, my big thing is Gargan and Saez are great. They're 28%. But this horse also has really good tactical speed. You've got um, two strong races on turf in route races. You have the highest turf buyer in the field of 77. Um, the fourth place horse from two back, one next out with a 76 buyer. Uh, the second third place horses haven't run yet, so we can't talk about them. But I think, I don't know about you, but I saw the one, two, and three horses being the first three uh, into the clubhouse turn. And I think that Riot House, and Joe if he wants to, but definitely Riot House has the tactical speed to sit close and get first run on them. So you've got some closers like Ready to Perform who need the horses to come back. I think Riot House gets the jump. And with Saez, as smart as he's riding right now, boy, you don't want to leave him off in a spot like this. Yeah, I, I thought, so I don't think there's a ton of speed in here. It's interesting because you have multiple 100-plus time form ratings, mm-hmm. but it's not a lot of horses that want the lead. Um, and, and Riot House, I thought, was going to sit a beautiful trip here, probably in second or third around that first turn. Uh, and I, I think it's just going to get an awesome chance to be able to get first run. One of the horses I use is one of those one, two, and three. I actually went with a three-horse here, Uncaptured Spirit, is a horse I put on my ticket as well. Mm-hmm. I mentioned how I didn't think there was a ton of speed. Well, look at this horse's last effort on the turf there. So he went five and a half furlongs on the turf at Laurel, uh, jumps up to his career-best race there, able to go wire to wire going in a turf sprint, which I think is, is rather important. Um, he was he had faced pressure late and then pulled back away, which I also think is important because it showed heart. And in these races, if you're going to wire a field, you're going to get pressed at some point. You need to have that heart to be able to dig in and get the job done. Um, on top of that, I don't – like, the breeding actually says this horse fits. I mean, that's that's the crazy part as well. So if um, if you're looking for the distance, like, his sire won over a million dollars on grass, and one of his siblings was a, uh, was a triple route winner. So you've got the bloodlines for this horse to actually be able to get the distance as well. I like the fact that we had run in overnight stakes before. So you have $200,000 stakes on the, on the card there, both on the dirt. Didn't do great on them. But again, the surface switch is what I'm more interested in. So I think I captured Spirit as a shot at wiring this field at a decent price of 12 to 1. If you were going to use one of those three horses that I talked about, one, two, three, that's the one I think you use. I think that's your most likely gate to wire horse. Um, yeah, we, it could happen. You know, this, like we said, it's going to be firm and uh, fast courses, and we should be uh, should be plenty of firm turf leading up to the race day. So there should be plenty of speed to be had on the course. Um, I didn't use a three, but again, like I said, if you, if you're going to use a speed horse or a potential gate to wire, that's who I would go with. Uh, my other horse, I went three deep here. I used the nine crabs and beer. Not, I kind of wanted to because of the name. Like Michael Myers says, I actually do have the shit reasons for liking this horse. Um, we talked about jockey trainer combinations for Carrasco and Trombetta with Joe, Gargan and Sides at the right house. Jamie Rodriguez and Jamie Ness, they might be two people you don't necessarily want around your horses, but they're also very good jockey trainer combination-wise. They're 28% together. Um, this, is the only, this horse was the only three-year-old in a field last out of nine other horses that were four to six years old. The only three-year-old. Beats the horses. Second uh, place in that last uh, race won the next start. Second from two back also won their next start. I think this is just one of those classic Jamie Ness angles, Mike, where you go 10 sprints to a route. The horse is bred for turf. I love it. Yeah. Uh, I'm getting a great price, too. I understand, like, we're coming off that five and a half furlong. You don't know, can this horse you know, take that to two turns? Will he be too forwardly placed and kind of fade? Possibly. But 12 to 1 with that combination with Jamie Ness uh, training the horse. I've, I've got to use this horse. 
Yeah, I mean, I don't hate it. I, I, I'd left him off. I mean, Quality Road on the top, so Blofeld's uh, size Quality mm-hmm. Road, he makes you think that the distance shouldn't be an issue. Um, and Jamie Ness has pretty good stats stretching horses out. So I wouldn't be too worried about that. I'm more worried about the post position and where this horse ends up fitting. Uh, we talked about the seven who's got some tactical speed. The one and the two have tactical speed. I think the three goes. So all of a sudden, the nine is sitting in fifth or sixth place and maybe two or three wide. I think that's a tough trip for that type of horse. Um, so I, I'm going to lean away from the nine, but I get it. Um, uh, the last horse on my ticket is the five ready to perform. Uh, we talked about how everyone else is going to be jockeying for position. Ready to perform is going to be all the way in the back, just <laughs> waiting to pass everybody on that that, that stretch run uh, and should get the opportunity. I mean, they're, they're, uh, you, we've got enough pressure early that I think you're going to get at least honest fractions. Um, and it, it, it could set up well for the five to be able to come rolling from the back. I want to have the best closer in this field in case. You know, my speed doesn't hold in the three, and the and right house doesn't uh, necessarily fire, and then you got the 10 who needs to make the trip. So I think the five is actually the correct favorite in this spot. I want to have it on the ticket here. Um, I'm not going to put it on a $5 ticket that I didn't play. I'm only going 7 10 on my $5 ticket. But for the 50 center, I'm going to kick it off with 3 5 7 10. Yeah, I uh, I took the five off because uh, we're using Joe at three to one, and we're using Riot House at four to one. And again, you're going even your your ticket for fifty cents is eighteen dollars, so you're going very short here. Um, I couldn't do it. My thing with Ready to Perform, uh, the Laurel Futurity, it was a nice win, but three of the horses he beat there are in this race. I'm not touching them. Um, there was an epic pace collapse in that race that saw him go last to first. You could have it again here. You know, I didn't even mention there could be a pace collapse, but um, he went last to first. The top two horses, Epic Luck and Determined Kingdom, by the way, both are here. They completely dropped anchor in that race. So I thought it set up perfectly for him. And when you saw him face better horses in the Cutter Golden Mile at Del Mar, the trip notes say six wide and maybe got held out wide. I watched the replay. He just sucked. Like, he got that perfect Rosario wide trip off the turn. Rosario stomped on the gas, and he spit the bit. And he just kept running in place with the horses that were alongside him. Um, it was not a good effort. Uh, it is Cox. It is Drew. You should expect this horse, if he's got talent, to be ready. But I think he's going to be too short of a price when I'm using these other horses. I'm going to back off of him and watch this completely blow up in my face. First race, I'm out. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, all your points are fair. I, I would make the argument no one else has even tried to go to Del Mar out of this field. And, and that Del Mar That's race so is wildly better than this. Everyone else here is running in Laurel or, or Pimlico, except for Riot House, who came from Gulfstream Park, uh, which is probably better than what most of these horses are running in. So uh, the, the I'm not going to hold anything. I'm not going to hold an even effort against significantly better against the five horse. And now the price is, is the big concern, right? It's what do you have to swallow coming off this layoff and also having to close. So Hopefully, you know, for the, and this is why you play the 50 cent and the $5 pick four, right? You, you use a horse like this on your 50 center to keep you alive in case he wins. But on the $5 one where you're pressing your opinions, you leave him off and you hope that you can beat him. Hey, I agree with that. One last point I wanted to make on Joe. I forgot to bring it up. And I saw, I, uh, was someone in here? I saw, thought I saw. Oh, there is KW Grid. Uh, and Joe's three to one. And when they said about the Preakness, I am now. Joe actually qualified for the Preakness for winning the Tessio Stakes last time out at uh, Laurel. Uh, but because he's not Triple Crown nominated, unlike Creative Minister, uh, the trainer didn't trick the owners into spending $150,000 to nominate so he could run. So that's why you see it was very odd that they were like, hey, you won that race. Shake him loose. You looked pretty good. You beat Joe 2 back on dirt. We're going to put both of you in the turf. We're not even going close to the Preakness. So uh, tells you a little bit about that race. We'll move on to the Sir Barton Stakes. Speaking of horses, not good enough to go to the Preakness, Mike. Uh, always an interesting race, the Sir Barton, <laughs> race 11. Uh, it's an amount of 16th dirt route. It's for three-year-olds who've never won a stakes race. And again, at this point, like, if you're not in the Preakness, not on the Derby, like, there's something, you kind of have to have a unique situation to show up here. You can usually get a good price, sometimes a funky result here. 
Uh, B-Doc is the 5-2 to two favorite, and I think that's a great place to start because B-Doc didn't really run that well, and then we ship to Keeneland and take the blinkers off, and he wins by almost 12 lengths. So what do you do with B-Doc? Uh, I use B-Doc. I, I, I have him in, in second uh, for my on my tickets, and I, I, I have him as a must-use. Look, that last race was too good to ignore. It's one of those spots where it's like, okay, is the is – the, is it taking the blinkers off that helps? Is it getting out of California that helps? What was it? You saw California horses do very well at Keeneland as well. Um, so I'm, I'm not shocked that he was able to roll. But, look, I think B-Dog gets the lead here. I don't see a ton of other horses that are going to be out there pressing him. Um, because of that, I, I want to use them. You've got, you know, you've got some speed in Unikey. You've got some speed in Rugs as well. But to me, B-Dog, I think, is going to be the horse that kind of goes from that inside and the more inside draw and is able to make some noise from there. So I have B-Dog, but I actually like <laughs> I like the four horse at 15 to 1 on top here, the Addison 4. Um, <laughs> so I'm going to go 4-5 on my press ticket and see if we can get a monster price home here. Uh, Addison 4 is one of those horses where, one, it's broke its a maiden in a maiden special weight over the Laurel Park track, stretched out to two turns next time out, ran pretty well, stretched, uh, runs back at two turns, Runs okay, misses by a head, comes back two turns again, and able to win the next time running over the fast track. I like the fact this horse has taken three consistent steps forward after breaking that maiden. Brittany Russell knows what she's doing. She's very good here. Uh, Toledo is one of her top riders. They're 45% so far at the Pimlico meet, which is wildly good. 36% overall, which doesn't suck, by the way. Um, so when the two get together, they do very, very well. You're getting a great price on a horse that's improving. And look, look I like the fact that we've got some tactical speed. Um, I, this just to me feels like a race where you're going to get a weird result and the favorite at five to two seems a little short. I don't think it's actually going to go off at five to two. I think Ethereal Road's going off as your favorite here. Um, and, and I don't love Ethereal Road, so I'm going to try and take a couple shots against and see if I can be right. Um, I'll agree with you. The B-Doc was my second choice in here. That Keeneland race, way too good to be used. Uh, the runner-up, fun fact, runner-up in that race, Tis a Magician's baby brother was making his career debut for Chad Brown. Nobody cares but me. Um, I do like in that race also, the horse that pressed the, inside, the speed inside of him, because he was right up there in the front early, finished ninth. So B-Doc kept going. Inside speed, it's not like they went 1-2 at the 1-3 at the wire. So, again, Mike, to what you're saying, it was just too good to leave him off. Um, I put the 8 Unikey on top. I thought the maiden win in the slop two races back was pretty impressive. It came back pretty strong. The third-place horse won next out with an 87 buyer. That was pretty sharp. Uh, you had the 5th, 8th, and ninth place horses all won next out from that race as well. All of them did it in protected races, so they didn't have to drop down for tags. That second start when he lost, I actually thought was more impressive because he did all the dirty work. He was inside with three horses to his outside, setting the pace, threw the turn, got rid of all of them, straightened for home, looking like he was going to win. And then he smelled a fresh pot of burgoo being made, and he just went straight out to the stands. And I read, was like, no, no, get over, get over, get over. In that time, he opened up the rail, condemned with the beautiful move from Velasquez hugging the rail, comes up, nails him at the wire, but he fought hard. He was trying. It just... Put some nose plugs in so it doesn't smell the burgoo or whatever, the crab cakes in, in Baltimore. But um, regardless, I think if this horse doesn't lug out, he wins that race. It's an even better effort, and people are – we're not even getting four to one on him here. Um, he's bred to go two turns. He's getting Chad Brown's number one rider currently as of Saturday aboard. Um, and Irad, by the way, is a head away from being two for three for a small barn. Think about that. He's one for three right now. If that result changes, he's two for three for this barn. And, again, if that's the case, you're not getting four to one on him. Yeah, I think we argued about this horse before. I can't remember exactly because I hated Cape Trafalgar, who ran second in that race. And, and there's been a bunch of next out winners from that race. It wasn't yep. just under Rose. I think it was the fifth place, the eighth place, the ninth place finisher, too. I think it's been like four horses that have won out of that race. 
I, Cave Trafalgar was awful coming back. Um, and so you have that one, like, data point where it's like, hey, this horse sucked. But then you have the other six data points where these horses are really good. So it's hard to be like, yeah, let's get really <laughs> excited about a race in the slop with, like, buyers that came back really high for everybody compared to where, what they had run before. So I don't think that that 90 is necessarily true, but that 85 backs it up pretty well to where, you know, maybe that 90 was more like an 80. And maybe like, and then this makes a lot more sense from a progression standpoint because you wouldn't have thought that he would have regressed there. Um, I had Unikey as my fourth horse on, and I only went three deep, and that's why I didn't end up getting to him. Um, I, I may, I don't know. You could add him if you want. It'll only take my ticket to twenty four dollars, but he would be the next one I would use if I was going to do this. Um, actually, I'll put him on the fifty cent ticket, so I'll be I'll be four five six eight. So I'll I'll, I'll add him in there because you're right. He he does make sense. He does fit. And I think we get close four to one on race day, which also makes it makes it valuable. Last time I'm going to use is the number six horse, Mr. Jefferson. Um, <laughs> this is the horse where I'm just really interested second off the layoff. Like they did a lot with this horse where they sent him to the Withers. They sent him to the Remsen. Uh, he was in the Jerome. So he ran a bunch of the stakes where you're kind of building up to be one of those derby horses. And he just wasn't good enough. They give him a break and they run it back at a mile and an eighth. And all of a sudden this horse really first time, I'm going to call it first time as a three-year-old. Cause it's the first time he got his break after a two-year-old. Pops a massive number. Comes back with an 87 buyer. It's like, hey, guess what? I want to run again. I'm happy. Let's go. Um, wins the race. Looks very good doing it. And, and or, I'm sorry, came in second. And missed to Joe, who we just talked about, by the way. Um, but looks very good doing it. And I think it's going to be good again here. And 6-1 to one seems like a really nice price. If you go back and you watch that, that race last time out, he makes the lead and then gets caught late. We're shortening up, which I think helps him a little bit here. I, I think it's all systems go for Mr. Jefferson. I like the fact we're getting 6-1 to one here. Yeah, this is a spot that I actually would have thought Joe would have shown up if they didn't want to spend for the Preakness. He does have that turf breeding again. But um, uh, by the way, I didn't want to go back to this, KW Green. When, when you posted this, I thought that you were talking about the Preakness card that you were excited about, um, not the race. I don't know if you deleted it. I don't know why it still showed up. That's kind of funny. Uh, but then I was going to apologize. <laughs> and then you came in here, and then you made fun of Mike for how he pronounced Ethereal Road. That's okay. Listen, it's nobody here... It will be Ethel Road until the horse retires because the horse sucks too well for me to learn how to pronounce his name. <laughs> That's true. Win, win a great race. Win a race, and, and I will pronounce your name correctly, Ethel Road. <laughs> uh, Chris brings up some distance concerns with Unikey. The dam had, a, in three times going uh, route of ground, had a win, and the two times uh, didn't win, finished second or third in stakes races. So uh, the dam side says that as a grandson of Candy Ride, uh, shouldn't have an issue with it, but I will say unified horses haven't been going as long as maybe candy ride horses have. So um, that's the two for me. I went eight five here. Did you just go too deep as well? No, I'm I'm going too deep on the five dollar ticket. I'm going four oh, five four, on five, the six. five dollar ticket, yeah. and then the fifty cent t- ticket. I'll go four five six and eight. Yeah, the Addison Poor, uh, cool name behind that, too. The, the Addison Poor name for uh, the Addison area where the owner lived uh, lives. Uh, there's a bar. Um, where they do what's called the Addison Pour, where, Mike, you would appreciate this. Uh, instead of, like, you know, ice cube and then, like, one or f- two fingers, it's one or two ice cubes and the glass. That's the Addison that. Pour. I can get behind that. We should <laughs> Mike, visit there. Where is this? Uh, somewhere in Maryland. Well, all right. Well, maybe we'll go to the Preakness next year and visit that bar. We'll go visit the owner-breeder Elkstone Group. We'll go find them and uh, figure it out. Until then, Mike, <laughs> let's move on. The penultimate leg of the late pick four at Church. I'm sorry, at Churchill Downs. I did it finally. At Pimlico on Saturday, May 21st. Race 12 is the Jim McKay Turf Sprint Stakes. Loaded field of males. Three and up. There is actually a three-year-old in here. Uh, the 10 Concrete Glory. Going five furlongs on the grass. This is going to be a fun race. Where are you going on top? 
I liked uh, I liked your boy Karatari here. Um, look, he, he's setting up for just to run a monster race in this spot. It's, it's first time off the layoff, but that's never been an issue with Karatari. You've actually seen some of the best races come first off the layoff. Uh, this field isn't as good as what he's faced in the past couple. Um, and I think he's going to absolutely just run a monster here. If he runs back to either the last race, four back, uh, even six or seven back, He's good enough to win this. It, I, I think the Karatari stands out at 9-5. to five. You get Saez aboard for the third time. Last time out, he was huge. If you go back to the, the Parks race, just draw a line through that. That race was an absolute mess. Got steadied uh, mid-stretch and also was won by a horse that was rampantly cheating, which we found out later. Yeah, that, that <laughs> um, right there stands for drugged out the ass. Yeah, so that, that was, I think he was 99-1, to one too. It was wild. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, Karatari, I think, if they stand out on top here, this is one of the spots where, like, I'm going to probably have a large daily double in the last two races here. Uh, Karatari is a single for me in the $5 ticket. Uh, I would not blame anybody for singling this horse. All great points. I He's my top pick. I love this horse to death. I've, lo- I've been following him since he debuted in June of 20... God, June of 2018. Wow, I feel old all of a sudden. I've been following this horse that long. Uh, no, I've been following him for a long time. Uh, a friend of mine is, is who owns him. Uh, the one reason I didn't go stronger, I know why I went for deep, Mike... This horse's Achilles heel is drawing inside. If you look through his past performances, when he draws post two, finishes third. He draws post two, he loses. He draws post two, there's a win. Draws post two, loses. He keeps getting stuck inside, and it just there's some sort of a small trip issue. When it's turf spring, you can't have anything go wrong. He keeps having these little tiny issues that prevent him from winning more often than he has. I mean, he's eight for 24, seven for 21 on the turf. Like, you know, one for every three starts, he's winning. He's a fantastic horse. But if we want to try and beat him because he's a 9-to-5 favorite, where do you want to go? Well, if I'm going to take a shot against him, I think the, the three seven cents makes a lot of sense. Uh, it, it, this is a horse where he, it can sit right off the pace and be able to make a move. I like the fact we've got a monster early time form number, but we're still able to close in the last couple of races. And when we have success, we're sitting you know, second, third, fourth, a couple lengths back. I think that's kind of where you want to come from in this field. You've got quite a bit of speed signed on. I think the seven cents will be able to sit right behind a wall of horses that are leading early and make that move on the turn. That's how seven cents gets the job done. You got four to one. So I, I think seven cents is a little bit interesting. Um, so I'll put him on the 50 cent ticket. And then I'm going to go to the nine horse Hollis uh, as the other horse on the 50 cent ticket. This is more because I'm just scared of this horse on turf. And if he gets going, uh, he can motor out front. So if nine breaks cleanly, you know, I love me some Raylu. If the nine breaks cleanly and gets out to the front, I think Hollis is really dangerous in this spot at a price. Uh, you do have enough back turf races where I'm not concerned about handling the, the turf. You only see, I think, three of them uh, on the DRF past performances. But when you look at that turf result, at this distance, he's uh, two for seven. Uh, and he has a 96 career by buyer, or high turf buyer. He's one for two over Pimlico's turf, where that 96 buyer came from. By the way, that's the third highest turf sprinting buyer you have in this entire field as well. So it fits with these. Um, and if he gets out front, he's awfully deadly. I'm hoping we can get to the lead with this horse and just take him gate to wire. We'll see what, what actual trip Hollis ends up getting, but I want to have him who's have him as a price if one of those bigger, uh, more of the more talented turf sprinters toward the inside isn't able to fire. Yeah, you. Uh, I went four deep, and we've talked about three of them so far. I'm with you on Hollis. If you watched the Oakland Park uh, uh, meet race of the day uh, that we did throughout the meet with Aaron, 
Uh, John Ortiz was red hot at Oakland and was consistently, even if his horses weren't winning, they were running consistently well, and it's it's carried on since then. So I'm with you. I, I like Hollis. Uh, actually, that 96 buyer, Mike, it's for winning this race two years ago when it was held back when they had the, the fall Pimlico meet uh, in October. It was over yielding ground, but he has done well uh, over firm ground as well. So, uh, yeah, I'm with you. I, I think Hollis is, uh, is very, very dangerous here, and I think because he hasn't done well on turf in a long time, and he hasn't really touched turf in a while. People are going to be scared away. I think we're going to get maybe 8-1 to one on him, which I think is going to be uh, plenty of value. So you're 3-for-3. Three three. Uh, can you name my fourth horse for me? Man, I'm guessing. I, oh, come I'm, on. So I went, in the chat named it. I only went 3-deep. I'm guessing you used either the 5 Mr. Hustle or the 1 Bank. Since the 1 Bank is by Steve Asheson, I'm going to say you used the 5 Mr. Hustle. <laughs> you are correct, sir. So is Chris. Maker magic possible here in Mr. Hustle. No, I was going to <laughs> Uh, we got Irad riding for, for Mike Maker. And it's interesting, if you look back at the horse, uh, uh, did very well in a fairgrounds uh, turf sprints um, back in, in the wintertime, and then goes to that optional claimer for 80K and just had a complete you know no-show in that spot. Uh, they dropped the horse down for 40K, and off of seeing that horse completely stop, for no apparent reason, Mike Maker said, hey, guys, let's spend $40,000 on this horse. Like, we could probably buy him right now, but let's spend $40,000 for him out of his next race. They run him back protected in a Keeneland allowance, which is going to be almost as tough as what he's facing in a lot of these horses, including the winner that day, Seven Cents. Had a lot of trip trouble and still came flying late. If this horse gets a cleaner trip, and now we're getting Irad Ortiz Jr., who's 24% with Maker, uh, yeah, I love this. At 10 to 1, I feel like, because of as chalky as I've been through the other sequences, this feels to me like the race where I can catch a price in 10 to 1, Maker, Irad, let's go. Yeah, I don't, I don't hate the fives. Um, I, I think you made a bunch of great points about how this horse could improve here in this spot. That trip was not great last time. The fractions were wildly fast up front, so it's set up for someone to come off the pace, and that's what Mr. Hustle was able to do. But he did have a little bit of traffic trouble and didn't get the cleanest trip through. I don't think he was ever getting to seven cents, which is the main reason I didn't use him here. But I, I just thought the three was way better in that spot because he was close to that fast pace and was still able to, to get the job done. Um, but I, I don't hate the idea of Mr. Hustle. I think Bank on the inside has a shot as well. So I, I think you could go deeper here if you wanted to. Uh, if you, is there anyone we talked about that, uh, you know, that you would be interested? Let's talk about Bank. You said that maybe that was the other horse I would have gone with, and I didn't. Uh, what made you think that? And this is a horse that's never tried turf. If someone's looking at it, well, why not? I, well, the, to me, this is one of those where you're like, can he take a big-time step forward, right? And he's been running in big races, so $100,000 allowances, $100,000 stakes race. Last time was $100,000 optional claimer. A horse hasn't touched turf but has enough pedigree by Bernardini gone west on the bottom side that I wouldn't hate the idea of being a turf sprinter. Has shown enough tactical speed but has a big-time late kick. And one of the things that we've mentioned about a lot of these horses, Caratari, Seven Cents, uh, Mr. Hustle, even uh, Hollis, and then uh, the seven Grateful Bread as well, all of the 100 and the 10, Concrete Gary, all have 100-plus time form numbers early. I mean, this is one of those races where you could see it heat up really early, and the horse that would take advantage of that is Bank, who's never touched the turf. If he gets a trip, he could come flying, and look who decided to pick up the mount. Joe Rosario, who's the exact jockey that you want in that spot. So, to me, you could make a case for the one. I'm going to single the two in my $5 ticket, and I'm going to single the two in most of my press tickets over the, over the weekend. Like, I, I'm probably not going very deep in this race because I think Karatari is that much better than them. Um, but if you start spreading here, you can get really close to the all button really quickly. And that's, that's kind of one of those decisions where I think you have to make a decision. Okay, am I going to – do I want to take a stand with Karatari? Do I want to take a stand with someone else? 
or am I all of a sudden deciding I'm going to spread like crazy? And it's interesting Chris mentions this because I've, I've been very anti-Steve Asterson, and I'm wondering if I need to reassess my Steve Asterson turf situation and say that was because Santana was riding for him, because Santana is awful on turf. Um, and so maybe it's a more Santana problem than an Asterson problem. We'll see if this changes with Joel Rosario. It's, it's too early to tell, but um, I, like this is one of those races where if you don't like Kartari as much as I do, I could see why you've like, almost hit the all button in this spot. Well, and if there's one race, one type of race where you uh, the all button's your friend, it's a mad scramble turf sprint that's you know got multi or double digit field size. So, uh, by the way, I'm looking. Uh, Ricardo's riding at oh he's still at Churchill. That's right. He's got a bunch of turf mounts. I'm gonna keep an eye on him. Let's see uh, if he wins the Great Through Louisville Stakes riding for Chad Brown. Ricardo's riding for Chad Brown on the turf at Churchill. Uh, Boy, Flavian Pratt, how's that, uh, how's that suspension going, buddy? All right, let's move on, Mike. Fourth and final leg, the big race everybody cares about, the grade one, $1.5 million Preakness Stakes second leg, the middle jewel of the American Racing Triple Crown. We all know the story. Nine three-year-olds in here. One of them's a Philly secret oath, but your favorite is the eight epicenter, six to five. Mike, we're both singling him here, right? Yeah, I'm not going to try and get too creative here. It's like, we can talk about this race. I, I actually, because I've been out sick here the last week, I haven't talked that much about the Preakness, which is kind of crazy. Um, this just sets up really well for Epicenter, doesn't it? Like every raid that you go, if you're like, okay, well, you know, there's going to be speed. Well, if there's speed, it's probably two or three horses. It's probably Armagnac. It's probably early voting. Maybe Fenwick tries to get involved early. But Epicenter sits right behind them, gets first run, and then has to hold off Secret Oath. Like, okay. That's fine. All right. Okay. So let's flip it around. Let's say early voting gets a lone lead. Who's sitting second? Well, epicenter. So all epicenter has to do is get by early voting on a lone lead. That's easy. Oh, haven't we seen someone do that? Oh yeah. Modonigal. I think he's a little better than Modonigal. So it's like, I, I'm not sure what the race shape form is that makes epicenter puts epicenter in a bad spot here. And it's, it's just the horses that would either come after him or the horses that are trying to stay in front of him aren't good enough to run him down. So the only way Epicenter loses this race is if Epicenter doesn't bring his race, which is possible, it's horse racing. But when was the last time Epicenter didn't bring his race? That's the next question. It's, it's, he's never not done it. So I trust him as a favorite in that sense. I think it's really hard to get around Epicenter here. And if you want to make money, I think it's by pressing through the pick three, the pick four, the pick five. It's playing heavy doubles into him. It's playing the... the you know, the uh, Black Eyed Susan into the Preakness double because I think the Black Eyed Susan is wide open. Yep. Or it's playing internally here with him on top and you're trying to find tries and superfectives that are have a little more prices underneath. So uh, there's a video that I did, if you didn't know, over our YouTube channel, Five Minutes, about betting the Preakness stakes. And one of them talks about the trifecta and how few uh, derby horses actually make the trifecta. In, in, uh, you, 25 of the last 32 Preaknesses, I think, uh, at least one non-derby runner made the try. And I think four of the last eight or seven, you had two of the three horses in the try weren't in the derby. Now here you've got a, a, a two and three shot of getting that right, right? Six of these nine horses weren't in the derby. But to that point, you can get lots of prices too. So uh, we've got a lot of time here still, Mike, because we agreed on a lot of stuff. The first thing I want to go back to, Chris had this great question, uh, a great conversation. Karatari is the nine to five favorite in the race before. If you want to just, if you're like, Karatari is going to win and Epicenter is going to win, you want to make money, you hammer the double, right? What is this, what's the likelihood of this paying? I mean, if you get, let's say it's a $1 double, if you get four back, that's a pretty good value. Which seems wild, but I mean, that, that would be about where I would expect the, the starting pay. If you're getting five or six bucks back, that's huge. Um, especially if it's like the $6 range, because it, look, if you nine to five is, uh, you know, you're basically doubling your money. So two bucks, then six to five, 
doubling your money yet. So three bucks, six bucks. So it'd be six bucks based on the morning line. That's high, right? It's not going to pay that much. So if you're able to get five bucks off it, I think that's a pretty good value. Um, I mean, like to me, it's can you find prices in the previous leg to try and like if the four is there, if Addison Rhodes able to get home and then you single those two, that pick three will pay very nicely. Um, so there's there's ways to try and make money here. It's just you got to have a different opinion or way to value, make Epicenter more valuable or bet a lot of money through a specific set of bets because Epicenter is not going to pay a ton, but Epicenter is your most likely winner. One thing I was just thinking about, Mike, uh, simplification always presents a handicapping challenge for us. We don't know what he's going to do. If he's going to go to the lead, he's going to pull back. He drew the rail. What should he do? Uh, I mean, what should he do or what yes. will he do? Well, both. Well, what, do you think, what do you think ends up happening? What does Velasquez, Hall of Fame rider, very smart, what does he do with simplification? I think he sends. I think the connections want him to send. I think that Sano wants him to send. I, I mean, the times he's not been in front is when he's missed the break, not because he's not. It's not because he's not fast enough to be there. It's because he's missed the break, and then they they kind of have him rally from wherever. I just I feel like that's what they think the horse is best at. Um, but if you watch like the Florida Derby effort where he runs third and makes the break, he just he never looked like he was going to win. And then you have the combination of being in the one post. It's a send post here, right? So. I think they end up, if, if everything goes well, they try and send him. Um, I don't think he's as fast as early voting. So there's a little bit of a problem there. And I mean, I guess you could see simplification, early voting, and Armagnac all hook up early, and then you have a, a pace collapse situation. But man, I, like, if that happens, then I, I still love Epicenter, who's going to sit right behind those three, just run by and be like, okay, who's going to catch me? Right? And the, the only horse that could catch him is Secret Oath in that sense. And then it's like, well, a creative minister is going to roll by him down the lane. It's going to be Skippy Long stockings. They're going to get through. No. So, like, to me, if you if you want to play that, either way, you're playing epicenter on top. I think the more interesting conversation is okay. How do you find value underneath? And to, to me, it's Skippy Long stockings who's sitting at twenty to one. I think it makes a ton of sense in the third and fourth spot. I think like you could play a eight four cold to start a super. So you play eight with four with, and then put some prices underneath and see what happens. Especially if you like that scenario that I just mentioned where simplification does send. Um, I'm probably going to have an eight over two, four, nine for five bucks and just hope that that costs you $30 and hopefully that gets home. Uh, I don't know if you knew this. Did, we, did you listen to last week's, the, 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 the Regeer race, Regeer, Regeer, whatever it was? We gave out a super for 3500 bucks for $5. Oh, you did. Yes. No, I appreciate the we, but no, it was you. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I totally forgot about that because uh, we didn't have the show uh, Monday. But, yeah, you you but, just said, like, play Rogier. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, play the favorite and then put three horses underneath and pick two prices. And if it works out for you, and it was, it was, we picked two prices and another horse, it was not a long shot. The, the, the last horse, I think, was the second choice. Yep. And the three of them ran underneath but ran in the right order. And for 5 bucks, they returned $3,500. Um, so, this is another one of those races where if you're looking at this race and you're figuring out, okay, how do we possibly structure tickets? I'm, I'm going to have, you know, I had it for four bucks last Saturday. I wish I played it for five. I played it for four. Um, but this is another one where I think it makes sense to go eight over, you know, two, four, nine, four, nine, two, four, nine. And you hope that the two and the nine are the big prices and the four rolls up there and gets, gets into fourth and you see what happens. But to me, like, this is one of those races where you're trying to find ways and exotics to make money versus betting the win. 
Uh, Chris, referring to simplification, says, I think he gets the midnight bourbon trip from last year, goes out, sets and uh, finishes a tiring second. I think, yeah, to, to simplification, um, uh, Chris, uh, I'm going to say Kuzo. I'm going to guess that it's Kuzo. Uh, says Johnny V is going to want the pocket. Absolutely. Even if you're, to your point, Mike, I think early voting's faster, but you need to out-hustle creative minister. Fenwick, I think they're going to send, so you need to try and get good position. You're going to beat Secret Oath. You'll beat Happy Jack. Who knows what the hell Armagnac's going to do, and Epicenter will probably stalk. So I, as long as you get positioned so that you're not getting buried, because if you don't break cleanly, now you're going to be probably eighth going into the, into the clubhouse turn because you're getting pinched back along the rail. So that's why I brought it up. Before we move on, special shout-out to Golden Retriever Bella, 13 yeah. years old. The best good pupper there, 13. Wow. Yeah. Um, I've had a lot of dogs. I don't know if I've never had one make it to 13. I think 12 was the longest. Yeah. Always happy to give shout-outs to dogs. We're both dog people. We both. Yes. I, I have one. I think Magic, you have two. So happy to give shout-outs to Bella. Happy birthday, Bella. 13 is a, a heck of a life. Yep. And it's a golden retriever. She's still, got, she's still got years ahead of her, too. They, uh, they, they can be pretty, pretty long and healthy dogs. That's pretty awesome. Um, also, Aaron, since you're here, Shadi wanted to give you a shout-out because she's, I don't know who did the handicapping for Pimlico. It's Aaron. It got me from a $2 win bet to $37 <laughs> with that suggested pick on the number 10, just a little violent. Appreciate it. Shadi has had, like, the best beginner's luck since becoming a premium member. She started on the tournament challenge day last Friday, played Aaron's picks at Belmont, and, like, got a sh- – a huge bankroll. I'm not going to say how much, but it was a very sizable bankroll compared to what she started with. Wait a second. What was the horse's name? Just a little... Violence. There it is. There it is. I'm assuming that's the violence horse. We're just going to go with it. <laughs> we're always going to assume that's the case. But yeah, so we're, we're definitely going to go with Epicenter here. If you want in-depth analysis of all nine of these horses and their chances, head over to our YouTube channel. Uh, the four of us broke down all the horses' uh, chances and, and where they came from and what we think will happen with them here. So uh, I'm with Mike. I like Skippy Longstocking a lot um, at a price at 20 to 1. Uh, it feels like a horse that's improving at the right, the right time. And, again, it, you know, anything can go crazy here. So if you like Epicenter, pick a few horses, like Mike said, underneath and have some fun. After the Kentucky Derby, Mike, I just can't say nobody has a chance. I can't do it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I would love to, like, luckily, I, because Rich Strike wasn't in the race, we didn't get in that much trouble for it. But, man, that, that was, like, that was one of the more crazy things. To, I, like, I still can't believe how that, that whole Kentucky Derby went down. It, and I, I, it sucks not to have Rich Strike in this race. I, I was talking about yes. it yesterday. Like, it, it's just, it's a bummer all around. We even mentioned Mind the Bird today on the live show, and people forget that Mind the Bird, if, if Rachel Alexandra doesn't win that race. Mind the Bird's going for a triple crown in the Belmont. Like, and that's, that's one of the other massive upsets that we've had in the Kentucky Derby. And so it's, it's just kind of like, ah, oh, man, it'd be nice to have, have Rich Strike here just for the story of it. I mean, but I get it, man. Like, he was going to get waxed. It wasn't, but they didn't want him in this spot. So I, I understand why we're not seeing the horse. It'll be interesting if he runs in the Belmont or not. It'll be interesting what the price comes back in the Belmont and what kind of buzz that generates. But uh, it's a bummer we don't have him here. All right, that's going to do it for this episode of the Magic Mike Show. Thanks for joining Mike and I to go through the Pimlico late pick four sequence on Saturday, ending, of course, in the Preakness Stakes. And if you are interested in the Preakness and the entire card Saturday, we have the inside track to the Preakness Stakes wagering guide. Uh, I'm guessing they're still finished, putting the finishing touches on it right now. I know Aaron and Jared were working extra hard on the live banquet article. Go away. Look at all the people buying it, all these pop-ups. Uh, uh, they were working hard on the live banquet article, which you're not familiar with. Uh, it's exactly the plays that Aaron and Jared 
there, if they were at the track, they're not going to be at the Preakness, but if they were there, this is exactly what they're going to play. It's what they're playing from home on ADW is what the rest of us are going to try and play as well. But um, I think just twice, the Derby being one of them because of thanks to Rich Strike, uh, just twice in the last 10 guys, they haven't turned a positive ROI. Um, the other one that they missed, I think it was like a negative like 2% ROI. So they're very good at this, and they, a bl- big reason for it, Mike, you know this, they press their opinions. You talk about it all the time on the show. We promote it. The guys do it right there. So check that out. If you are a premium member like Shoddy, who's got the right picks and the right betting decisions and the tools necessary to make money, you have this for free already included with your membership in your uh, dashboard. So just go here. Go to Picks Dashboard. Wait for it to load two seconds. Click on Racing Guides. It brings it all the way down right here. Um, as soon as it is a fully available, you'll get an alert and everything and email-wise. And if you're following us on social media, trust me, you're going to find out about it. But uh, make sure you go check that out. Uh, I've got a great feeling. Uh, Aaron, by the way, has a very, very good feeling about how Saturday's races are, are going. And uh, spoiler alert, that horse you saw there on the cover, they're pretty confident in him too. Not a bad time to subscribe either because you get the Preakness Guide and the Belmont Guide, which pays through your subscription, and you'd be eligible for the Racing Dudes tournaments, which are also live now uh, in your dashboard. So you can go and jump in there. The next tournament is going to be a week from tomorrow, so next Friday. Uh, so make sure you check that out as well. And if you're a subscriber, you get both guides and enter those tournaments, which is uh, awesome and a lot of fun. The full guide, breaking news here on the Magic Mike Show, Mike. The full guide's available! It just went live. So that is, uh, that is excellent. So actually, I could have clicked on that, and it actually would have downloaded it. I should have, uh, should have demonstrated it. Oh, well. Uh, one final note. Yeah, dogs over cats. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm a dog person more than a cat person, but I, I, like, I don't dislike cats. I'm not an yeah. anti-cat person. I just I, I like dogs more. That's all. It's like, uh, you know, you don't, you don't dislike almond butter but peanut butter is better right no peanut butter kills me i i know so i'm gonna <laughs> stick with almond mike, butter mike mike uh mike and peanuts uh not a good yeah. mix but not you know what is a good mix is you and the racing dudes team will have another racing dudes live show tomorrow looking at the friday card at uh, pimlico it ends in the black eyed susan stakes so join us for some talk at 12 central 12 noon central uh tomorrow on the youtube channel Follow us on Twitter. I'm at Curtis Kellard. He is at Summerbomb18, number one, number eight, corporate overlords at Racing underscore Dudes. Again, go check out the inside track to the Preakness Stakes wagering guide available right now. It's exciting that it just came out live on the show. Mike, any final thoughts before we head to the Preakness, buddy? I'm excited for tomorrow, too. Like, I, I, the, the, the cards are not, like, star-studded, like you mentioned earlier, but they're very good cards, and there's some depth to all of them. Uh, the one other thing I want to mention, real quick, if anyone is, is specifically budget shopping, uh, the pick four takeout, I think, is like 22 or 23% at Pimlico. The pick five is like 15%. So if you're going to play one or the other, play the pick fives, not the pick fours. Uh, the takeout is significantly less there. That is uh, that's exciting. Shadi's already excited about a new tournament. <laughs> yeah. We should probably give our tickets out, too. I don't think we've done that yet, man. Oh, sorry. Just throwing it out there. Yeah, okay. So for a dollar, I'll start off. I'm going to go 7, 9, 10 with 5, 8 with 2, 3, 5, 9 and single to epicenter for a dollar. That's 24. Uh, I'm gonna play a fifty cent ticket, three five seven ten with three five. Okay, I'm gonna play a fifty cent ticket, three five seven ten with four five six eight with two three nine with eight, and then I'll play a five dollar ticket back, seven ten with four five with two with eight. That'll cost you twenty bucks for the five dollar ticket and twenty four for the fifty cent ticket. I'm glad somebody's paying attention on this damn show. You know, I try. I tried. <laughs> Thanks so much for joining us. Uh, make sure you tune in later to, uh, in about one hour, two, an hour and 15 minutes. Uh, Blinkers Off will be live 
Aaron and Jared talking all through the card. Bring your questions and comments. It's going to be a lot looser and just more of a, uh, an F-off kind of a show than what we do. We're a lot more professional here on the Magic Mike Show, as I have my AEW wrestling t-shirt on, and you're dressed up in a nice polo. Uh, once again, uh, noon central nice. tomorrow, the YouTube channel will have the uh, Racing Dudes live show. And then on Saturday, we're doing, just like for the Kentucky Derby, we're doing a live show Saturday covering all the stakes races. So if you want to bet live with us as we're watching the races, can't show you the footage, but you can join us for all the commentary. It's a lot of fun. So join us for that one. Until then, I'm Magic. And I'm Mike. Good luck this weekend, everybody. This has been a presentation of RacingDudes.com, your destination for all things horse racing and sports betting. Whether you want free winners, expert insider picks, up-to-the-minute trackside weather reports, or podcasts and videos for bettors of all skill levels, never make another wager without visiting the Racing Dudes first. 